You have made it to Brave to the Bone podcast, where we explore human courage in its boldest form, self-transformation. What does it take to leap into the unknown? What builds bravery to become a purpose-driven and authentic leader in your life? Slade Giles is a creative leader in the field of medicine and business. He tells his inspirational story from cancer to opening his heart of legacy, from climbing mountains to bringing shoes to East Africa and building orphanages for education. This story is so inspiring. I am so excited to see where he goes and I cannot wait for you to meet him. Welcome to the show, Slade. It's so nice to have you here. I'm so excited for your presentation. I've heard so much about you. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? Uh, well, um, it's been an interesting road. Uh, it's, I guess, started, I really was always interested in healthcare and helping other people. So started out at University of California, Santa Barbara. I did biopsychology or studio majors, health and fitness minor with pre-med emphasis. And then I started Japanese, German, Spanish, Italian. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, so I could, because uh, that's pre-med and I wanted to be able to help my patients to the best of my ability to learn different cultures and make people feel comfortable. And then uh, then I started, got into fire to get an emergency medicine background because I was also an EMT before that in the lifeguard. And, and I just fell in love with it. I've being the first on scene to be able to help people and know that you're making a difference in people's lives was like, was an awesome thing. So, um, what I did is, uh, uh, kept going and I've, we ended up being president of the Santa Barbara fire Academy and ended up doing that while I was applying for medical school, started med school and then transferred into um, that was Ross University and transferred into Toro University to do a master's in public health and uh, pursue a DO route. But when I was doing my field study, I found I was thinking, you know, I could do I could do the uh, what people are what everyone else is doing and uh, with with this emergency. Well, it was a it was a record system, electronic health record system that I was thinking, you know, I could do a much better job than than what's what's out here. So, I decided to add an MBA with an emphasis in enterprise information systems, and um, I, I felt I was like, "Wow, this is this is uh, really awesome." Um, even though it was something totally different from healthcare that I was used to, um, I, I started seeing all the parallels and how I could make a difference in healthcare um, in with you with using business. And then uh, I ended up uh, going through, and it was actually the first weekend of my MBA um, when I found out I had cancer. And then, uh, um, and then how uh, there was a. How old were you then? What's that? How old were you when you found out about the? This diagnosis? was just three. This was uh, two years ago. Okay. It was uh, um, um, going off going on two and a half years ago. It was uh, Labor Day of 2018. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, you're going in surgery. And then thing after thing happened where it was just, uh, oh, um, 
didn't know what was going to happen. The cancer started metastasizing. The people, I started losing a lot of loved ones in my life. Um, I was never married or had kids, and that was something I always wanted. And I was thinking, you know, I'm not going to have that opportunity. Uh, my parents aren't going to meet the person I marry. And um, then my friend's parents were dying. And it was one thing after another. But, um, you know, I, 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 uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to get this degree and I'm going to use it to the best of my ability to make a difference. And that's what I'm going to focus on. And it, when you're going through chemo, I was doing seven hours a day, five days a week. And you can't really think. You have to set yourself into uh, day by day. And can I? what do I need to do to make it through this day? And then it goes to, okay, you slowly work yourself up. What can I do to make it through the week? And then what can I do to make it through the month? And you set your goals and you build bit by bit. And for me, going to the, I was at Chico State um, and going to the rec there helped me every, helped me immensely. That was what really helped me. It allowed me to focus on those goals and keep going. So the only day I actually missed the entire MBA program was the day I had surgery. And then uh, um, even I remember the next week going and, I was lucky because actually it was only my surgery day was Thursday. My next class day was Tuesday. So um, Tuesday I was limping in to the, to be able to make it in there. And then people started saying, okay, if Slade's making it to class, I'm going to make it to class. <laughs> and so then uh, um, once you have, once you're, you're a leader in a way you, you know, everyone's relying on you. So then it pushes you to excel even further. And then, uh, ended up being president of the graduate business association vice president of the sap club for which is the largest software for you know the, on the in the western hemisphere is one of the nodes for sap and then um also i was elected the mba liaison for the council of graduate students to represent all the mba students and then uh just kept going and the school newspaper and then local news organizations started taking up my story and because uh a big part to help me keep going was i my plan was to go with my best friend to do kilimanjaro because he's from tanzania and it's been on my bucket list well cancer happened and i was like i'm not going to be able to make it to the top of that mountain and as um, my plan was to go there and bring some shoes with us because we were, we heard that there, my friend was saying that they needed shoes in, in Tanzania. Um, all the, all the children do. And so we were going to bring shoes in our backpacks. Well, I was thinking, well, I never had a family of my own to, to push forward through. Well, I'm going to bring a ton of shoes with me and I'm going to live long enough to bring those shoes to Tanzania. And, uh, how long was that thought in your mind through school while finishing school or at what point going through chemo and then yes, going through school and saying, so I started a GoFundMe and you can look it up Slade's cancer fight legacy project. And, um, it ended up taking off and then it kept spiraling into bigger and bigger things. And now we're starting an orphanage actually there and we're going to be going there to build it. It was supposed to be, 
this coming June, but it's delayed because of COVID till June of 2022. Wow. So we're we're gonna we're getting a group together to go there, and um, it just kept snowballing into a bigger and bigger thing. And then with the business too, my initial idea for changing healthcare on a national scale for my one project ended up spiraling into three projects, now three different businesses. And now um, um, I have this building this basically a program based off of blockchain technology um, that has a front end for healthcare providers and a back end based on the blockchain and then another front end for patients. And then so they can take their healthcare anywhere they want and have their healthcare record with them. And then I also have an idea for changing IV machines that I went through because and developed because of all my extensive chemo. And then uh, I also, as a, through all my work as a firefighter, um, building an app that will link people in emergencies that want to give help with people that want to receive help. Oh, that's and, amazing. How incredible. And, you feel like a burning sun <laughs> of such a bright light. <laughs> Well, and all the fires are going on too. I was still doing that too. Um, and doing, trying to do the cannabis chemo. I was like, had to take a time out because I was running the, my fire station and trying to, there was the fires of 2018 where just record after record fire was coming through and, um, ended up getting firefighter of the year that year though, <laughs> which is pretty wow. cool. And, and then, uh, is that for kept, California? This is for by for Shasta County Fire. It was nice. uh, my fire station, uh, Jones Valley Fire. Wow! Station, so, and then, uh, um, then it was thinking, okay, well, um, all these little things um, kept pushing me forward. I, I think, uh, I think I just really got lucky too. With in a lot of ways, like when I was doing majority of my chemo was during the summer months. So even though I did a, a, a week of finals that were um, in my first week of chemo. And so I was like, it was, it was pretty bad. I, was, I remember seeing everything and trying to look at the computer screen. It was like a black tunnel. And then, uh, um, and, th and then when I walked to my car that evening, I had to lay down in the, in the stairwell because I couldn't make it up the stairs. And I I was just looking at my car thinking that I can make it into the car. <laughs> and then, uh, um, and then just once I got in the car, just sat there for so long so I could like try to make it to drive back. Cause I was commuting. It was like a hour and a half commute. I was doing Would you nice. call it, um, that time in your life, the darkest night of your soul, like a dark night of the soul, like, um, just going through that whole process? I think that December was probably the toughest time. Um, just, it was like, I'm naturally an optimistic person. Like, uh, I, w I felt super lucky because I did most of my chemo during the summer when I didn't have to do the school. Um, it was like the first time I didn't do school during the summer. It was strange, but um, it was just an awesome opportunity. So I didn't have to miss a semester. And then, uh, um, so I think um, they say, well, the optimism has a genetic component to it, but I really believe that too, that it's, it can, you can control a lot of your optimism and 
it helps with your health and because uh, i mean everything in life is perceived as can be perceived as negative or positive i think and it's really how you perceive it um and how that's going to affect your health and and what how you go forward and and perceive your own life and how you interact in the world and, and uh so when i i was nominated to be the the speaker for um, all the colleges of graduate students to give the commencement speech and that's what i focused on is like you making a difference um um everybody can make a difference i know a lot of people like feel that they're just one person but you're one person that can make such a big difference in the world and a, a good way to do that is by volunteering um, it's an excellent way to feel better and relieve stress uh, making knowing that you're making a difference in other people's lives and um, that's and that's how you make a difference step by step going forward and then uh that allows you to draw i think it allows you to draw on too to like what i was saying before when people are counting on you to to be able to push forward and be the strong person for other people yeah so it's like you're staying in touch with a sense of humanity by volunteering yes yes and uh and if and if you can be anything be kind uh, while you're doing it because <laughs> they're so i think that's uh an important thing how were you raised um did you get this from your parents um is this something that uh, someone like a grandmother or something like really embedded in you i feel like i am the most lucky because of my parents like my mom and dad are just phenomenal people and i feel lucky every day um, definitely because of them. And I, I always had a very tight family. I grew up in a family of seven, um, five siblings or there's five of us siblings. And, um, and I just feel like my mom and dad's heart and drive and care for other people really helped us help to see what is possible. I think that's why too, that I, never got married yet it was like i saw what my parents had and i knew that i wanted to hold out for that and i also i just felt like i've been going to school my whole life but um and i wanted to devote my time to be able to do that properly and have a family someday but um so i guess maybe i was putting it off in a way that way too but i think it was also just seeing like what is possible with my parents and and wanting to emulate that someday Wow, beautiful. And what about spiritually, staying positive during that time? Did you do some practices, meditation or prayer? Or was there anything that really helped you stay focused on, on that optimism? You know, um, a lot of people have, have uh, boy, came out of everywhere when I had chemo, like th with everything that you can imagine and, um, under, <laughs> under the sun to like, of what causes cancer or how i could solve the cancer or beat the cancer um but uh i'm telling you be staying athletic um uh, staying like was so important i there's a lot of things i found out later on in life like about 
for instance, yoga, <laughs> boy, I found yoga is like better than a, a cup of coffee, even though I'm not limber at all. It's like, um, I found that's a very different from what I expected it to be. Um, I really going to the rec and playing a sport too. I got really into playing, um, soccer, volleyball, and ultimate. And yeah, being, being on a team, a team sport really helps. Community. Um, yes. You're developing it's leadership and community there. And, um, and it's such a, um, like I was just walking out of quicksand slowly but surely each week just pushing myself and not saying hey you know um my muscles severely atrophied I was so long as I hadn't gone to the gym in 25 years it seemed like <laughs> and then uh, I was just you know keep you just felt like I needed to keep going and I and it just helped me a little bit by little bit each week each week I felt like I was getting out of the quicksand and uh, um, I think spiritually for sure as well, like uh, all those, your, uh, your mind, body, and spirit are, are tied together. And it's, um, I think that comes down to back to optimism as well um, and how you perceive the world and being open to to other people's um, ways of experiencing the world, I think opened up my spirituality too, in a way to be able to see how other people cope and open, just to always be open to seeing how other people interact in the world. And then that allows that, I think that allowed me through life too, to be able to, continually learn and and find out what's out there yeah it sounds like a way of just living really really an, a whole open-hearted kind of life yeah you, you realize like there's so many people that are going through so much in the world and yet um um for instance i i was just talking to a lady from gaza and uh she was talking about how um, some of the trials and tribulations that she grew up through as a child and and it just uh, and she's turned around and is now like lifting other people up through being able to talk to um, and coach other people around the world um, and also host people um, children from Gaza that have been shot and until they can recover here in the United States. Um, I think stories like that are just uh, are really inspiring too, to help lift me up and say, hey, this is possible. What can I do to, to make a difference too? You feel that the leap, that there was a leap in um, you living this wholehearted, open-hearted um, life because of the cancer that you wanted to go push harder and further with more love and light because of that? Or do you feel like you were just, a, you were already a natural leader and might have done that anyhow? Well, you know, 
I've always had a drive to help others. Um, it's, I, I think it's like a selfish thing. Uh, altruism is like a selfish thing in a way, but it's like a good selfish thing, I think. But uh, um, I think everything that I went through December of 2018 put me in a place that I've never been where it was a cascade of events where I just felt um, it was one thing after another. And in my mind, I, I don't, I don't even, I don't think, um, Oh, I'm going to die. You know, it's a good chance I'm going to die. Um, I don't worry on the things I don't have control over the things I worried about were the things that I felt I did have control on. Like uh, I'd gone through a breakup and, and, uh, and all the, I had a friend reached out to me um, during that month too. And I didn't get to her in time and she committed suicide. And I had had that happen with an ex-girlfriend before. And um, then I had multiple friends lose their parents and um, my sister's-in-law parents both passed away that month. And, and I think it was just thinking, okay, my parents aren't going to meet person I marry or, or meet my kids and they're going to pass away and everything. And um, so I think it was just wave after wave that was pushing me down. But like, I was like, I, being in that spot and realizing, okay, I, how do I make this? How do I change this? Um, I got to start, I got to move my goals into shorter increments and focus on them and focus on my physical well-being to the best I can. I have control over those things and just work up from there. Work up um, your goals from day to day to month to month and to keep going like that. Um, and I feel like once you have Travis, I mean, Travis D happens to all of us, like it, all of us in life in different ways. Um, but what are you going to do with that travesty? Are you going to be a, um, are you going to dwell on that and not do anything? Or are you going to say, okay, how, how am I going to turn this around? And I feel like since then, everything has like fit like a puzzle piece. Beautiful. Like where I was supposed to be in life. I mean, I'm telling you every day, is like I started winning like first place in all the entrepreneur challenges. Um, I never expected to be in business, but I found out I was really good at it. And now, um, now I just developed a, an algorithm using Fibonacci retracements to crack the stock market, and that's been incredibly wow. lucrative. Wow. And I just is my first week utilizing it, and it looks like it's gonna pay for my three business <laughs> adventures. Wow. And like. Uh, I, if I would have just rolled over, I think, and just said, okay, yeah, I'm going to die. Then I probably would have died. And then, uh, like a lot of people do, but you know, now maybe, maybe I'll never be married or have kids or anything, but, um, I'm going to make it to Kilimanjaro. I'm going to be in Arusha, like making a difference there for kids that, so that don't have parents. Um, um, can you tell me a little bit about that particular situation, um, how big the orphanage is and why you picked that spot? 
I would picked it because my best friend Frank is from there and from that town, Arusha. It's at the base of Kilimanjaro. And uh, he was a ranger around the Serengeti uh, for a number of years. And he, and he was going to go back and we we're going to do Kilimanjaro together. And then, uh, um, like I said, we we're just going to bring those shoes with us. And then, how many um, shoes was that? Um, well, so we, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we were going to initially bring it in our backpacks, but then we're, 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 when I started to go fund me, then we're thinking, okay, it's gotta be huge. But then there's so many logistics when you think about shoes, like, okay, am I going to get the shoes there? Am I going to get people to donate them? Are people, are the children going to argue about what, what kind of shoes they get? Then I <laughs> found like, um, a person that had gotten a bunch of shoes that was, could be a supplier in Taiwan that was uh, needing to make a difference. And then, um, then, uh, then there's a company that actually makes these adjustable shoes for that climate that would create like less of a, a burden for, or like they wouldn't cause like fighting because of social status of like who had what type of shoe and what color or whatever. Wow. What's that? The dynamics are fascinating. You were really looking at it from multi multiple perspectives. Yeah, I mean, even even with starting an orphanage, there is a huge thing because um, there's a problem with with how with where you do an orphanage too, and there's so many different variables and think facets to it that that I could talk to you a lot about, uh, but it's. I think um, being able to network with people that are, that live there um, and know the situation that have been making a difference, um, it has been really important. Um, we've even discussed how we're going to set up an educational system because that's a big problem um, in Africa is a lot of people with good intentions go there to try to make a difference. And in a year when they leave, then everyone's back at square one, like for instance, in the school system. Um, and then someone comes in with a new lesson plan. Well, one of the things we wanted to do was to set up um, a lesson plan that could be utilized over successive years um, that, that, could, that wouldn't be starting at square one every time a new person came in. So there's, there's a lot of different th things that you have to look at when you talking about infrastructure really like serious infrastructure down there it's not just building a building and having fun the dynamics are huge yes um who you're gonna have to help with uh, and um we're gonna go there ourselves and do a lot of the work and but it's like getting permits and who to talk to people are always looking for a way for for extortion and there's a lot of things to to consider if you really want to make a sustainable difference you can't just go in even if you have a bunch of money um, especially if you have a bunch of money <laughs> and you just say oh, okay i'm going to do this project and and then expect it to work you have to really work out all the details and so that's one of the big things that's been going on for the last two years is figuring out those details and uh it's been great. A lot of people that have signed up are um, too through the GoFundMe. 
um, there's a lot of people that want to come and help build as well. So um, it's a, it's been an adventure. <laughs> so also there's a dynamic of um, who can adopt these kids. Are they um, the country laws? Are they that they have to be adopted in country? Um, you know, the, I'm not too sure on those specifics. I haven't, I don't know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. Well, what a story. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, um, it's been an adventure, but like I was saying, like, um, I think, uh, when you, when you experience a travesty, it's always, are you going to look at it from, how are you going to look at it? And what can I do with this to get into a better place and then focus on that and go forward? Do you work with gratitude? Is that something that you you used um, going through this and still to this day? Or, or can you tell us a little bit about the little things day to day now that keep your, your heart just so open and your your um, beautiful flags burning so brightly? <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, doing something athletic on a, on a routine basis is, uh, um, is so important. You're, you're like I was saying with your mind, body, and spirit, it's just so interconnected in a lot of ways that, that are, um, that are so, so intertwined and, uh, being able to keep going like, uh, athletically, I think, and even, even when I was down and I couldn't do anything when I was totally in chemo and, and I, I couldn't go to the gym or anything, um, I was thinking, okay, there will be a day when I, when I'm making it back there. Um, and there is going to be a day where I'm better and I can make a difference and, and other people's lives. And, and I think that's it too. When you know that you can affect other people's lives, I think it helps you lead and set an example, hopefully a good example. <laughs> um, and then uh, to keep going forward. And it sounds like you still have some things that you want to manifest um, in your life, you know, next. But it also sounds like you're pretty busy with like all these things that are just, it seems like where you put your attention, you're really successful. doesn't <laughs> seem like you've had a lot of stops. Yeah, I, um, I guess I'm pretty lucky. <laughs> um, I just was able, they just did a newspaper article too on, doing Mount Shasta, I just summited Mount Shasta as a training this last summer as training for um, Kilimanjaro. And I still don't have normal hemoglobin. I'm still anemic. And so it's really hard for me to push myself athletically. So just because that's another thing I was saying, even if you're not the most athletic person, just trying and getting out there and doing something like I went up Mount Shasta by myself and for, and that was a really important thing spiritually for me, I think too. Um, normally I'd initially gone up with my friend Frank and so, and some others uh, for my birthday, but a, a, a blizzard came in a snowstorm started at midnight on my birthday and 
uh, where had, we had to turn around. Uh, the the ranger is like, if you keep going, he, we saw him on the way up, and he was like, we'll find your bodies in four to five days. So wow, um, we stuck it up there, um, and at midnight started snowing. You couldn't see ten feet ahead of you, and then by the morning we're like, okay, we got to call it. And then uh, what I did was even though it was too late in the season, I shouldn't have gone up. Um, I also went up by myself, but it was so important, I think, because instead of like pushing myself compared to other people or like, I was like, I'm going to enjoy this experience. I'm not going to conquer this mountain. I'm going to, I'm going to experience this mountain. And uh, so when I got tired, I'd stop and look around and see where I was at instead of like, always looking at where my feet are going so I can go as fast as I can and having it be a challenge is such a different experience of being able to say, okay, this is where I'm at and feel the differences in elevation. There's incredible elevation gain there um, in a short amount of time. And then uh, especially hard if you have no hemoglobin. So it, it did allow me to, I think, enjoy my experience going up and, and then uh, I pushed myself eight hours the first day, um, slept five hours or six hours, and then did a 14-hour day. And when I summited, I I shed a tear because uh, um, I didn't think I was going to make it back. It was too late in the season. There was a lot of rock fall. It had all turned to slush. And, uh, and normally to get back in time, you glissade down and before nightfall because if you don't start turning around at noon um you will die on the mountain because of the uh, there's people that get high altitude cerebral edema and all kinds of stuff that happen um from going up in elevation so fast and then so i was like okay i made it but i'm probably not going to make it back and then uh but I turned around and made it back at sunset. I started glissading, even though they said they had just uh, said absolutely no glissading. They'd shut down all the tours and every tour guides and everything for the mountain because it was too late. But I was like, okay, I'm gonna, if I don't if I don't glissade at least part of the way, I'm gonna die up here. And then, uh, so I sure enough, I'd hit ice chunks and almost spin off the mountain. Um, which is how most people die on that mountain. But, um, and I got really bad ice burns on my back that I still have a little, some black patches. <laughs> but uh, sun was setting and I made it into camp. And I didn't even take any of my shoes or anything. I just dove in and did passed out. Um, and then got up at daylight the next day and then did six hours down the rest of the day. So it was like three days and wow made it made it back and uh i think i think uh that's another thing is even though like i didn't have the hemoglobin i felt like i feel like you when you go through some crazy things you just want to push yourself to know what is possible while you can because you don't know how, none of us know how long we have on this planet. I, 
used to live my life really crazily. I would go and um, I probably died over 20 times um, in my life. And I just, in a lot of crazy ways. Um, but then the, the um, in, in 2008, the last time I was just, I had a deer going 70 on my motorcycle, bounced 200 feet with shorts and a t-shirt on. My tops of my shoes are ripped off from spinning so fast and and my face helmet was totally destroyed, but saved my face and everything. I had road rash and everything, but I was totally fine. And I, I realized I have a purpose on this life to help other people and uh, I can't push it anymore. And I've been trying to focus on that and then uh, too. So yeah, you really, really feel like you, how old were you when that motorcycle accident with the deer? You know, I don't remember how old I was, but I ended up too getting a Ducati. Just, I, (laughs) (laughs) um, um, when I was going through chemo and I was like, but I'm not going (laughs) to drive it like I used to. Wow. Um, Wow. Mostly. (laughs) And one thing I wanted to ask you is that you had said, um, that helping other people in some ways to you may be a selfish, um, almost a selfish nature. What do you mean by that? Um, because it's a selfish reason. I'm doing it to make myself feel good. Like uh, you, like uh, it makes you feel really good to make a difference in someone's life. To know, for instance, like in the firefighting, to know that if you weren't there, someone else wouldn't be experiencing life anymore. There is, there's nothing, there's nothing like that of knowing that that you've continued, you've allowed, you've you have the skills or we're in the right spot to be able to make someone continue on in their life. And for some reason, I'm in outside of work. I've been in situations at least 10 times where I've had to do CPR or first aid on somebody that um, was going to die if I wasn't there. And I think that's out of the ordinary. I think most of the times maybe someone gets to perform the Heimlich once in their life or something. But I'm telling you, in my life, people literally several times have flown in the air and landed at my feet dying. Wow. <laughs> uh, but numerous times when one time, this is a good story, actually. There was this old lady that had ended up getting cancer and she didn't have any family. So I would take her out shopping and stuff and her, um, cause she couldn't get around her wheelchair very well. And then, uh, um, her last wish was to go to her family, her high school reunion. So we were going up to Oregon. It was a good driver up there to do her high school reunion of like 60 years or whatever. And this car flips in front of me and um, she's like, as they tell, she's like, go do what you got to do. <laughs> so I went up there, another paramedic had stopped and the car was upside down. There was a lady bleeding out of her head and stopped the bleeding with the towel. And then while the paramedic cut her, was trying to cut her out and then, uh, um, then luckily the fire department was really close there. I had my fire department shirt on, <laughs> but I still wasn't in proper PPE there. But uh, 
um, had them take over with the Jaws of Life, but their Jaws of Life broke down. So I went back to their to the hydraulic engine and saw that their hydraulic reservoir had, had busted off. So I went and got some bar oil from their chainsaw and put it in there and got their Jaws of Life working again, and they were able to get the lady out. Wow. And then, uh, um, there's just crazy stuff like that happened all the time. There was one time I was walking to work in, in college and this guy was riding his bike to work and got hit by a car, cracked his head open and was laying there one time in med school in, uh, in Miami. Um, there was uh, a guy at the world championship boat races that was on a wall that was inebriated and fell off behind me and cracked his head open and couldn't breathe. And so I did a jaw thrust on him so that he could breathe um, until paramedics got there and then um there's one time i was in santa barbara this lady got hit by a car flew four lanes of traffic and landed right at my feet she oh, hit wow. knocked her out of her shoes and everything and wow. then i uh, was able to get her breathing again too um there's just tons of different situations i feel where th something crazy has happened and then uh I've been at the right spot at the right time. So with that, for some reason with that last, I've almost died on a motorcycle maybe a number of times, but uh, for some reason that time just struck me where I was like, okay, I'm going to, uh, life is a fragile thing. Um, so many people I've seen that I've worked on that um, don't realize how delicate the balance is and how much time we have left. So it's, I think it's really about how we live even every minute of our lives. <laughs> wow. Well, for people out there listening who may be wanting to step a little bit more into their purpose, um, do you have any other advice for them about that, about the courage that it takes or moving into who you're, who you're supposed to be here on this planet naturally? I think it really comes down to focusing on it's it's all perspective focusing on the the positive instead of saying but like i was saying there's always a good side and a bad side to everything in this world and it's all about how you, which side you see and that will help you to keep going forward and then which will allow you to make a difference which will inspire other people wow hopefully yeah, definitely. And you've had your um, fair share of that getting on um, the radio stations and getting to speak at uh, the commencement speak for it was San Jose State. San, um, Ch uh, Chico State, yeah. California State, Chico. And then, uh, um, yeah, the Enjoy Magazine just did an article. It was pretty nice um, for their legacy. It was about legacies for Northern California living. Um, and it's been a. Um, also, on the news, um, KRCR up here and some other news organizations have been able to spread the word on my legacy project. And so hopefully that really makes a difference. And I'll be able to tell you someday about how that goes when I get back from, from summoning Kilimanjaro. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So I just wanted to say, so you're, do you have a website for the Slade's Cancer Legacy Project or um, is it just the GoFundMe? GoFundMe, look up Slade's Cancer Fight Legacy Project. And, and Slade's, just for everybody listening, is S-L-A-D-E-S. -S, yeah. So yeah, not too many Slade's out there. Yeah, that's, that's a, great, it's a great name. Thank you. 
Well, gosh, I'm so grateful for, I mean, I'm, I feel so inspired just being in your orbit today. So really just um, talking with me, for everybody listening, it really matters. I have a lot of nurses listening to this podcast and, you know, sometimes in this field, you know, burnout is a real thing, especially now. So staying with your candlelit and burning it as bright as possible is so important. Well, I feel um, what I'd like to say is just glancing through some of your podcasts is in, is incredibly inspiring, and uh, I'm so honored to be a part of it. Actually, to yeah. see what you're doing and how much light you're giving the world, I, I commend oh, you. you. I know I'm so excited to keep in touch with you. So thank you so much, Slade, for being here today. Definitely.